0: Well, hello, my friends, and thank you for being part of the broadcast called Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you on the Wednesday broadcast, and we are recording from the Hickory Ridge Community Church. We'd love to have you come worship with us on Sunday. We do drive-in church at 9 o'clock, inside worship at 1030. It would be our honor to have you come and worship with us this Sunday. Well, today I want to do a kind of a standalone message, and I want to talk to you about how you can shift. And I can make really what will become a seismic shift in your life. It will be that shift from being one who is spiritually healthy and filled with rest, as opposed to one who is out there and running ragged, okay? But before I get into the message, sometimes I like to share a cute little story uh, that hopefully make you laugh a little bit, make you chuckle a little bit as you're driving home from work today. I read about a group of four-year-olds that were asked by their Sunday school teacher, does anybody know what today is? One little girl raised her hand and said, Well, yes, today is Palm Sunday. Well, that's great, said the teacher. Now, can anyone tell me what next Sunday is? That same little girl raised her hand and said, Well, yes, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Oh, that's great, said the teacher. Now, can anyone tell me what makes next Sunday Easter? The same little girl raised her hand and again said, yes. Next Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the grave. And before the teacher could congratulate her, she continued. But if he sees his shadow, he goes back in it for seven more weeks. (laughs) I hope that brings a little joy to you as you're driving home today. You know, you can make changes in your life that will radically change your direction. Luke chapter 11, verse 24 says this. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. Now, as we look at this particular passage, we discover that an evil spirit comes out of a man. I think that happens at the point of salvation. You are dead, but you become alive. That evil spirit leaves you. Jesus here uses this to remind us that as we get rid of an evil spirit, It doesn't mean we should leave ourselves empty, because if we leave ourselves empty, that evil spirit can come back and return to that house that it left, and it will do a number on you. So we've got to be filled with something. As we think about salvation, we are emptied of our sin, we are emptied of our death, we are made alive. We've got to make some changes. And here's the seismic changes that we can make if we want to enjoy rest And if we want to enjoy an opportunity to enjoy the power of God upon our lives, we make a change from me to Jesus. That is from rest to not stressing. You know, the most used and the most abused person to have ever lived is Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about that, okay? Because so many times we think that our lives are terrible. Woe is me. You see, there's a surprise that we see in the life of Jesus. In John chapter 3, we're going to spend some time there today. In John chapter 3, Jesus has an encounter. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? We have a guy that comes to Jesus, and and he asks Jesus how he can know he's going to be having eternal life. And Jesus says to this guy, now listen, Nicodemus, you are a teacher. You don't understand these things? So Jesus continues on by saying this, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? In other words, you don't get this. Somebody might put it like this. You don't get this. You're an American. You've seen the blessings and you don't get it. You've been blessed with so many earthly blessings and you still don't get it. Jesus says, I've tried to give you earthly illustrations, and you're still in the dark. You're never going to get a spiritual understanding. I can't get into the heavenly because I'm so earthly. So the surprise of what Jesus is teaching is that we've got to not think about earthly things, but we've got to shift to think about heavenly things. Verse number 13 talks about that shift going to Jesus. John 3.13 says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So this shift to Jesus is a shift from talking of Nicodemus to the talking of who Jesus is, getting off of yourself, getting on to who he is. Now, Jesus says, you know, you've never been to heaven, but I am from heaven. So there's got to be this transition that takes place, this transition that takes place from Centered to me to centered to Christ. When I think about salvation, Jesus saved me for myself. I thought I had all the answers, and I discovered I was all the problem. So when you make that shift from me to Jesus, you discover God begins to work in a miraculous way. Here's the second shift you've got to make, and we find this in verses 12 and 13 of John chapter 3. It is a shift from the physical to the spiritual. You see, we have a choice to turn from the physical to the spiritual in our time of pain. We learn in John chapter 3, verses 14 to 15 and verse 36, that the curse has been removed by Jesus himself. Look what it says in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then we drop down to verse number 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath abides in him. You see, when you think about that, just because the curse has been removed doesn't mean that the poison has been removed. You see, the poison is removed through that symbol of the snake. Now, going back to Numbers chapter 21, we can kind of figure out what Jesus is talking about here. And let me just read a portion of Numbers chapter 21 just to give you the context of what Jesus is referring to. They traveled from Mount Or along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and they spoke against Moses and said, why have you brought us up here in Egypt to die in the desert?" There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and men of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on the pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on the pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So we notice two things happening here. That serpent on the pole is not preventative. It is for those who were bitten. In verse number eight, we see that God did remove the snakes at the cry of the people, but they were still bit. The poison was still within them. The poison is in them and, and without divine intervention, they were going to die. So the snakes in the camp are from the Lord. He sent them in verse number six. Now, now this is interesting when you think about it. Oftentimes, God brings things into our lives that we'd rather not be there in our lives. You think about coronavirus. I don't know anybody who's happy about the coronavirus, but sometimes God brings viruses and sicknesses into our lives to grab our attention. So the snakes in the camp are from the Lord. He sent them. The wrath of God is on the people for their sin of ingratitude and murmuring and rebellion. Number three, we learn that this means that God chooses to rescue the people from his own curse as a picture of him taking the curse himself. What a beautiful picture of the cross of Christ seen in the Old Testament. All they had to do in order to be saved from God's wrath was to look at the provision hanging on that pole. By the way, we have the same provision given to us today. Look and live. Look and live, my brother. Look to Jesus and you will live. We have all been bitten by that sin and that poisonous venom is going to cause us to be eternally separated from God. But God sent His one and only Son so that He could take that curse for us. And now if we will look at Him, our sins will be forgiven, that poison will be removed and we will live. Well, here's the third shift. We've talked about the shift from me to Jesus. We talked about that shift from the physical to the spiritual. Now I want to talk about that shift from rushing to slowing. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always in a rush, right? It seems like even if I don't have a time pressure on me, I'm always in a rush. God sometimes wants us to slow down. In Isaiah 30:15 it says, "In repentance and rest That is where your salvation is. And quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Isaiah was crying out to his people and saying, listen, as you repent, you'll find rest. You'll find your salvation. As you get quiet, you'll find that you can trust the Lord and he'll give you strength. But you didn't want any of it. You kept rushing and rushing and rushing. You wouldn't take time to just be quiet, to be still and know that I am God. That shift from rushing to slowing. There's a fourth shift I think that we need to make, and that is that shift from being stuffed to being satisfied. You ever go out to eat and eat too much, you know I used to always go to Golden Corral. I love that man i I call it the golden trough, right, and you go there and you eat and you eat and you know you just eat and eat you know and, and because it's all free and and uh you know it's, you pay one price and you get as much as you can eat, and uh, I'd go there and I'd eat so much I'd feel sick after I left that place. I was stuffed, I wasn't satisfied, I was stuffed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, you are bought with a price. Honor God with your body. Listen, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The reason we should take care of our bodies is because the Spirit of God lives within us. Well, there's another shift that we can make. That is a shift from anxiety to peace. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about how we can overcome anxiety. We are actually commanded not to be anxious. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Whatever is stressing you, start praying about it. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Well, as I think about what Christ has done for me and what he can do for you, I've got several observations I want to share with you today about what Jesus can do for you. First of all, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. In John chapter 9, Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who you are speaking to. Oh, as you listen to the broadcast today, Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago and he became a man. The favorite title of himself was the Son of Man, identifying with us. He came as a baby, and he walked on this earth for 33 years. At the end of his ministry, he offered himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of all of humanity. Many people didn't recognize him, and so Jesus revealed himself and says, the one that you are speaking to is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of Man who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus is also our source of rescue. In John chapter eight, the Pharisees challenged him. He says, how are you appearing as your own witness? Your testimony is not valid. You know, Jesus is the source of our rescue. You and God created us. He didn't create us because he needed us. He didn't create us because there was something missing in his life. He created us because he wanted to have fellowship with us. He created us because he wanted to have our friendship with us. But because of sin, we find ourselves in a terrible situation where we're separated from the one who created us. We were separated without hope. Jesus became that source of hope for us. In John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. When Jesus was put up on that cross, He was our source of rescue. We also see that Jesus is portrayed as a curse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, for our sake, God made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I love that. When I think about what Jesus has done for me, he has taken the curse that should have been mine, and he took it upon himself. So Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is actually portrayed as a curse, In Galatians chapter 3, it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He became cursed so that we don't have to be cursed. Well, there's something else I see that Jesus does for us. And Jesus gives us everlasting life. In John chapter 3, verse 14 through 15, it says the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have Eternal life. You know, you think about what Christ has done for us. It is just amazing when we think about the wonderful things that He has done in our lives. We see that Jesus was crucified, and He is the one that we see in John three fifteen. That whoever believes in Him will have everlasting life. You know, a survey was done, and a research project was done to discover how many different ways that we can die. Now, you think about that's kind of a morbid thing to think about, but they discovered there are 871 ways to die. But I want you to know there's only one way to live, and that is for Christ, living for Christ, giving all that you have so that He can be your Lord and Savior, surrendering yourself completely to Him. You know, maybe you're listening to broadcast today and you say, man, I need to I need to know more about this guy named Jesus. I need to have a relationship with him. You know, The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a transfer of the will. I'm no longer calling on myself. I'm no longer depending upon myself. I am now calling upon the name of the Lord, and he is going to give me eternal life. You know, it's a simple thing to do. Just pray, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, ask him to come into your heart. You will be saved. You know, the great thing about being a follower of Christ is that your eyes are open to spiritual things. I want to give you a challenge, and that is to read through the book of Proverbs every day. You know, if you read a proverb a day, one chapter a day, you will go through the book of Proverbs every month. If you will read five Psalms every day, you will go through the book of Psalms every month. Now, the Proverbs is a great book because it gives us an understanding of God's wisdom for our lives. You think about Proverbs, and and Proverbs is a book uh, that is much larger than just a book. It is part of the Bible that presents the whole Bible in a single book. When we think about the book of Proverbs, it's a book that gives us wisdom on how to live the Christian life. I've been going through this uh, year, 2021, and going through a book by Timothy Keller called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. In the very first day, in January one. We read Proverbs chapter 1, that whole chapter. And verse number 1 says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for understanding Proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles. So the word proverb is an interesting word. It is a word that is given to us as a thought-provoking saying. So the book of Proverbs is really not a book of promises. It's a book of wise sayings on how we can live our lives. So wisdom is not only for deep thinkers, right? Uh, wisdom is really, we could call it common sense, but wisdom is how you get through our lives on a daily basis. Wisdom is taking God's word and knowing how and when to apply it to our lives. You know, if you get into God's word every day, you discover that you'll be a wiser person. So one of the ways I've discovered to have more wisdom is I get into the book of Proverbs every single day. I also discovered that I need not just wisdom in my life, but I need comfort in my life. So that's where the book of Psalms comes in. I read five Psalms a day, and I read one proverb every day. I get God's wisdom, and I get God's comforts. You know, the way that you can help yourself is to know how to pray. There's a prayer that's offered up uh, after each chapter that we read in our devotional, and here's a prayer that I'm going to pray for you today uh, in the last few minutes of the broadcast. Lord, I'd prefer if you would simply tell me what to do through some inner voice or some book of prophetic or specific rules for every situation. But instead, I hear you calling me to grow into a wise person who discerns what to do. Help me to answer that call and give me understanding. Isn't that a great prayer? Give me understanding. It'd be neat if you could just put your head on the Bible that night and uh, and not have to read it and say, God, would you just infuse that into my brain through my ear? Uh, But God doesn't do that. God says, you got to get into the word of God. You got to study it to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I want to encourage you today to get into God's word. Now, if you'd like to have that devotional book that I'm talking about, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life, I'd be happy to send that to you. If you just give me a call here at the church at 757-421-7500, I will mail you a copy of that book. It's called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. Just call me at 757-421-7500, and I'll send you a copy of that so that you can read it every single day. And then, if you'd like to get a weekly email from me, I send out a weekly email uh, once a week. And it's kind of a summary for what we covered in that devotional book. Well, let's talk about how we can know God, how we can be still, and how we can know Him. Psalm 91 1 says this Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, don't you love that? Do you need some rest today? Dwell in the shelter of the Most High. High, you know there's something about being in God's shelter. I remember when my kids were young; uh, they were so full of energy. They would run and run and run and run, and they would never want to stop. I mean, they would run from the time they got up into the time they went to bed at night. It seemed like they never seemed like they needed a nap. It seemed like they never seemed to get tired, and uh, and they would get hungry, they get thirsty, but it, it seemed like they never would run down. They were like the Energizer bunnies. And then something would happen. Sometimes they'd hurt themselves. They'd start crying, and we'd console them, and then all of a sudden, they'd be worn out. It took getting them hurt, unfortunately, for them the rest. You know, sometimes that happens in our lives. We are so busy, and we don't spend time knowing God or spending time with God. And as a result, sometimes he says, you know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to put the brakes on you. I'm going to allow something to happen to you. I have a pastor friend who got the coronavirus, and he says, you know, I hated getting the coronavirus, but he says it ended up being the best thing that I could get because it forced me to stop. It forced me to rest. It forced me to spend time with God. I think about the early days of this coronavirus and how I had more time than I ordinarily do to spend with my family, to spend in the Word, to spend some time doing some projects around the house, and so... I want you to know that sometimes God just slows us down so that we can get that rest that we need. Every one of us needs that rest. Don't run yourself so ragged that you go full steam ahead. And if you don't take that time to rest, you will break. You know, as you think about having the opportunity, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, why in the world did God have to rest? God rested on the seventh day. To give us an example. You know, God doesn't need any rest. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. That's a great thing to know. God is up 24-7. He doesn't get tired, but he knows that we do, and we need rest. You know, sometimes at night if I'm tossing and turning, and I know I've got to get to sleep so I get up the next morning and not be running ragged all day, sometimes I pray a simple little prayer that helps me get through that night. I'll say something like this. "Now, Now, Lord, I can't be up all night. I got a busy day tomorrow, I got a lot happening, and right now I'm tossing and turning. And I said, well, Lord, you know, you're going to be up all night, and you don't slumber or you don't sleep. So what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like to transfer my anxiety, whatever I'm worried about right now, and Lord, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. Since you're going to be up all night anyway, I'm going to go ahead and give you my troubles, my anxieties tonight. Would you go ahead and take them from me? You know, an amazing thing happens. I will often, after I pray that little prayer, I read a psalm. And then I fall right to sleep. You know, the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Sleep is a great gift, isn't it? Uh, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do in your life is go take a nap. I remember a couple of days ago, I was calling a friend of mine and his wife says, and she answers the phone just on a whisper. I said, how come you're whispering? Oh, I said, well, well, John's sleeping. I said, what in, the, what in the world is John doing sleeping in the middle of the afternoon? He said, he's taking a nap. I said, you know, sometimes that's the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Take a rest. You know, God designed our bodies to work hard, but also to rest hard. So I hope that this has been an encouragement to you today as you have listened to the broadcast. If I can help you in any way, please feel free to reach out to me, call me, or email me. My email is Corbett C-C-O-R-B-I-T-T, at... H-R-C-C-7, the number seven, dot Shoot me an email, and I'll add you to our prayer list. If I can pray for you, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at 757-421-7500, or you can check out us out on the webpage at www.hrcc7.org, hrcc7.org. We'd love to hear from you. If there's anything that we can help you with, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. And I want you to know that the Lord goes before you. And He's already been down the path that you're going. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's with you every step of the way. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. I hope that you have a great night. God bless you. Well, as we close on the broadcast today, I want to ask you to do something. And I don't usually do this, but I want to ask you to consider being involved in Hope for Your Heart ministry. You know, this broadcast is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church, and we gladly do this broadcast ministry, but it costs time to be on the broadcast. It costs time and money to produce this. And so if you would like to be part of this ministry by giving a small financial gift, I'd encourage you to write a check to Hickory Ridge Community Church And then you can mail it to us at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard, South Chesapeake, Virginia, 23322. Or if you'd like to give online, you can go to hrcc7.org. And when you go on there, just hit the giving tab and you can give toward this ministry. And I thank you so much in advance for your financial support of this ministry. If it's a blessing to you, uh, we hope that we can continue on with this broadcast. Thank you in advance for being so faithful and generous. God bless you. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.